0: The reading is taken from Acts, chapter 28, beginning at verse 11, and can be found on page 1126 of the Pew Bibles. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Butioli. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they travelled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said, through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen to me. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Janet. My my mind is still slightly boggling with the idea of my DNA going to Pluto and back. I don't know about you. Is that actually true? Is that a real fact? Or is that a slightly floating fact? I don't know. I'd be impressed if mine went to Birmingham and back. I don't know about Pluto. Um, Amazing. It's got nothing to do with the sermon at all. Um, Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your amazing creation. And uh, we pray that you'd help us to be encouraged by what we hear, and that we would know your voice speaking to us by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. The last trace of steam evaporated in the autumn air. The train rounded a corner. Harry's hand was still raised in farewell. He'll be all right, murmured Ginny. As Harry looked at her, he lowered his hand absent-mindedly. And touched the lightning scar on his forehead. I know he will. The scar had not pained Harry for 19 years. All was well. Well, how about this one? At last they rode over the downs and took the East Road, and then Mary and Pippin rode on to Buckland, and already they were singing again as they went. But Sam turned to Bywater, and so came back up the hill as day was ending once more. And he went on, and there was yellow light and fire within, and the evening meal was ready, and he was expected. And Rose drew him in and sat him in his chair and put little Eleanor on his lap. Sam drew a deep breath. Well, he said, I'm back. I wonder what is your favorite ending to a story, and what you think makes a good ending to a story. You may have recognized one or both of those. Anybody get both of them? One was the ending to the last Harry Potter book, fairly obviously, if you've read them. The second one was the end of The Lord of the Rings. Um, I think one of the things which makes a a good ending to a story is that as you read it, you find yourself wondering what would happen next. Maybe you find yourself just not wanting to get to the end of the book. Or maybe if it's a really good story, uh, you you just find your imagination caught up with it. Uh, almost a kind of longing that it might be real, that you could step through the pages and go to those places and meet those characters for yourself. And I want to say Acts chapter 28 is that kind of ending. Uh, In one sense, it is just the end of a long story. But at the same time, it's an ending which leaves us, I think, wondering what happens next and longing for the next part of the story. Just as it seems to be about to get going, it it almost doesn't finish properly, does it? And it seems to hold out an implied invitation to us as readers. Do you want to be a character in this story? Um, If you've been with us over the last few uh, weeks and months as we've read Acts, you'll know it all started in Jerusalem with the risen Jesus ascending to heaven. And just before he did so, He said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it ends in Rome. And here we are in chapter 28. Uh, We're on page 1127. If you can keep that open for a few minutes, that would be great. And we've got Paul, this unlikely apostle there in the imperial city. Um, From a Jerusalem point of view, he's reached the epitome of the ends of the earth. And he's being a witness for Jesus there. Verse 23 says, He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God, and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Um, here we are in Rome, and yet, some ways it just kind of stops, doesn't it? Doesn't really feel like an ending. I don't know about you, um, it feels to me like we're left with a whole bunch of questions. Um, what happened to Paul? Was he released, or was he tried and executed? What about Luke, who wrote it, who it seems was also there? That's why he uses we in verse 11, and all those other people we've been reading about. And perhaps most importantly, is this really the end of this story of what Jesus was doing in his church? Now, we do have an idea about the answers to some of those questions. Um, It does seem most likely um, that Paul was executed at some point. As a martyr, although we can't be 100% sure, and Acts doesn't tell us about it. We don't know the how or the when. Acts does not tell us what happened to Paul, presumably because it's not the most important thing that Luke has to say to us. So, what is Luke telling us here in Acts chapter 28? Well, I want to say, overall, it is an encouraging chapter because it gives us reasons we can be confident and trust the Lord Jesus. Um, All of which are drawing on ideas which we've come across in the previous 27 chapters. Um, The first reason to have confidence in Jesus is this. Um, We can trust him because he is sovereign. Uh, These are the acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work. Um, Let's start at the end, shall we? Verse 30 says, For two whole years Paul stayed there in Rome, in his own rented house, and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's it. That's the end. Paul does this for two years, then what? Well, Luke doesn't tell us. He just stops. But that strange way that Paul's story is just left as it's going on without an ending, is actually very much like what has happened to quite a number of the characters we've met in Acts. I don't know if you've noticed that as we've been through. You know, what happened to Barnabas? What happened to Lydia? Even Peter kind of just drops out of the story, doesn't he? And we don't get the next part. And there's a reason for this. It's because although we often call this book the Acts of the Apostles, in many ways a better title for it would be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's not primarily about Paul or Peter or any of the others. It's first and foremost about what Jesus continues to do after he's ascended to heaven through his Spirit. And one last time, let's remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8. that so You will know it off by heart, I imagine, many of you by now. Jesus says to his disciples, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what he says at the beginning. But before Jesus says this, the first part of that verse in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all these places. See, the first thing Jesus does is promise the gift of the Holy Spirit to enable the witness to go out. And then, of course, the next chapter in chapter 2 is Pentecost. The Spirit comes with power. And people turn to Jesus in Jerusalem, and then the apostles find themselves scattered by persecution, and the gospel goes with them, and it keeps on going. And as we've seen over these last few weeks, it ends up right in the heart of the empire, in the eternal city, in Rome itself, uh, which we might well call the ends of the earth. So Acts is the story of what Jesus does through his Holy Spirit as the gospel spreads and churches are planted And it's Jesus who does this. It's his work. And he does it by equipping people, ordinary people, filling them with the Holy Spirit. And that is how the gospel uh, always goes out. And so we can have confidence and we can trust him because it doesn't depend on flawed people like Paul or Peter or anybody else. It doesn't depend on flawed people like me or you uh, or anybody else. Uh, It's chiefly the work of the Spirit. It was then. And it is now. The um, second reason we can trust God is because uh, he carries out his plans and he keeps his promises. And we see that here in this chapter, don't we? Just look at that little sentence at the end of verse 14. Luke writes, And so we came to Rome. There's a whole story behind that tiny little sentence, isn't there? Uh, we know that Paul felt uh, a real sense of calling to preach in Rome. Um, he says it himself in his letter to the Romans. Uh, we've heard him say it here in the book of Acts that the sense that God has called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles and part of that is going to involve ending up in the capital city of the Gentiles at the time, in Rome itself. And we've seen how Jesus promised his disciples that will be filled with the Holy Spirit and that he will be the one who equips them. And here in Acts chapter 28 we get the proof of the pudding. Here is Paul preaching in Rome as God called him to As Jesus said, he would. Now, last Sunday evening, um, there's a few here, I think you've been coming to our evening services. Um, We also came to the end of a story. Uh, We finished the Books of Kings in the Old Testament, which we've been reading at those services. Uh, Even longer story than this one. And we read the description last Sunday evening of how the the rulers of Babylon uh, and their armies invaded Jerusalem and sacked the city and and took the people into exile uh, and caused chaos in the land of Judah. And we also saw that although it was the Babylonians who did this, behind it all, it was the work of the Lord. He was the one who was in control, just as he had warned and just as he would promised. And we had that really clear reminder of his sovereignty over all things. I want to say it's exactly the same here, just a few hundred years later. You know, in the last few chapters of Acts, what have we seen? We've seen the religious leaders in Jerusalem stirring up trouble for Paul. We've seen him tried before various characters, Agrippa and Felix and Festus and other people, um, appealing to the emperor himself. We've even seen the power of the natural world, haven't we, a couple of weeks ago as he's shipwrecked and ends up on a beach in Malta. But through it all, it's been the Lord's work. He's been the one uh, guiding all things, bringing Paul and his companions to the place where he said he would bring them to do what he called them to do. Um, who was it who took Paul to Rome? You know, was it Festus? Was it the storm? You know, was it uh, uh, Caesar himself? Well, in one sense, yes. But the clear message from Luke is that behind it all is the hand of God over all things. And so from verse 17 onwards, there is Paul witnessing to the crowds of people who come to visit him. Um, verses 11 to 16 have kind of described his journey to get to Rome, first of all. But there in verse 23, we're told from morning till evening... Um, he's witnessing, verse 28, it's about God's salvation which has been sent to the nations. Paul in the place where God wants him, doing the work that God has called him to. And I want to say that gives us, again, confidence to trust in God that he will do what he has said he will do. And we see it again and again, don't we, through thousands of years in the Bible. We have a God who makes promises and he keeps his promises. And then thirdly, Uh, We can trust God because he's the God who provides for his people. Um, It's the slide before that, I think, if you've got another one there, Graham. You've just given the clue to the end of the sermon there, but never mind. We can look look forward to that in a bit. Um, We can trust God because he provides for his people. Um, Last time we saw how the Lord promised to deliver Paul and all his companions in the middle of that terrible storm, and he did. Um, But there are all kinds of other little reminders here of the ways in which God opens doors and provides what we need. I mean, how amazing is it? In verse 15, Paul arrives in Rome and it says, The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming. They traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns. It sounds like a pub, doesn't it? Um, Or maybe three pubs. um, To meet us. But we're told at the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Encouraged. Paul knows that this wonderful encouragement is not an accident. The Lord knows what he needs. And he provides even more generously. That is what Jesus is like. He knows what we need. We can see it again in in the way in which Paul's imprisonment seems to be more like a house arrest, doesn't it really? He's got quite a lot of freedom. Verse 16 suggests it. Verse 30 tells us that he stayed there for two years in his own rented house, welcoming visitors, proclaiming the kingdom of God, And the message of Jesus basically having an open door to do what he's been called to do. And again, this is what God does, isn't it? And I know that many of us have experienced this for ourselves in our own lives, um, because you've told me the stories, and in the life of our church. One of the things I suspect we could be better at doing is sharing the stories with one another of what God has been doing, what he's been showing us, and things he's been saying to us. I've been struck recently by... Some of those things that people have shared with me, a sense that the Lord has um, already been speaking to them about something and uh, and just giving a sense of assurance that he really is in control. We need to talk about these things. Um, I see it partly when I look back over the last few years with the Hub Community Cafe Project, if I'm honest, um, which dates from before I was here at St. Luke's, which has taken much longer than many of us originally hoped it would. And I know that different members of the Hub team at various times have thought, is this really not going to happen? And yet it seems several times, just at the right moment, the Lord has said something or done something which has said to us, it's all right, keep on pressing on. I do know what I'm doing. We're not very good at trusting that, are we? And it has come in in the form of, um, at, at times, a provision of gifts towards the cost of the project, or a breakthrough in some of the interminable legal work behind it, and of course just recently in that amazing grant that we received from the government. Um, I'm seeing it too in the process of preparing to plant a new congregation in Thermiston as well if I'm honest Um, which we've been working towards for several years although going back to 2017-2018 we didn't know where we'd be able to plant a a congregation but here we are and we've had an invitation from the local vicar and we've had a request from the bishop to get involved we've um, appointed Steve, we've found that there's an open door in the school there, and we've had various people from the local community um, saying things, um, uh, hearing that they've been praying for that place, uh, even before we were getting involved. And again, it's that sense, isn't it, that if we just trust the Lord, he does know what he's doing, he will guide us and provide for us. Um, And that is the pattern, both here in Acts and in our own experience, of the Lord Giving his people exactly what we need. Not always what we want, but what we need. When we need it, and not before. Um, Paul didn't know how God would get him to Rome, did he? I'm sure he didn't know that it would involve all those trials and and shipwrecks and riots. Didn't know that the Lord would encourage him with friends and kindnesses, just at the right moment sometimes. Uh, But he trusted that he would get him there. Um, And so, to be honest, I sometimes wonder, uh, will we be able to do this thing or that thing, which we're seeking to do as a church, whether it's planting or building or whatever it might be. But the evidence of the last few years is that the Lord knows what he is doing. He provides. He wants us to learn to trust him, and so he wisely doesn't give us everything in one go. Or we might just think that we don't need to bother praying and throwing ourselves on his mercy anymore, but we just assume that we can do it. And it's his work the Spirit's work, and like Paul, we just need to join in. Um, So that's it. That's the end of Acts. And then it just stops. So what is going on uh, in all of this? Well, finally, I think this is where the invitation comes to us. Um, I mentioned earlier, didn't I, that the best stories make us want to join in with them and actually be a part of them. And at the end of Acts, that sort of invitation is for real. Uh, Jesus' promise was that his witnesses would reach the ends of the earth. Now, in one sense, that's Rome, kind of symbolically. But, of course, in another sense, there were all kinds of parts of the earth that were yet to be reached. Rome was just the beginning, the place from which all roads went out into the rest of the empire and beyond, um, across mountains and across seas and oceans, even to places like Thurmby in the end. Paul might have finished his part of the journey, But others were going to need to continue it in the years to come. And always it would be the Holy Spirit guiding, leading, providing, opening the doors. Always it would be about the people of God being witnesses to Jesus to the ends of the earth. Uh, We come to the end of, of Acts 28 as his people. And the implication is that Jesus speaks to us and says, Well, what happens next in this story? Will you be part of the continuation of it? And that's a great invitation to accept, isn't it? Doesn't that just uh, make our hearts jump? This is a story which is not just fiction. And it's not just about other people. It's actually about you and me. And we can accept Jesus' invitation with confidence because he still calls his people to be witnesses, but he provides his spirit uh, to give us what we need. Uh, He's the, the God who keeps his promises and fulfills his plans. And so even when it feels hard... We can trust him. And he's the God who provides for his people, sometimes with material resources, sometimes just with companions to walk alongside us when it's hard. He's done it before. He's done it for Paul. He's done it for many others since. And so we have reason to be confident he will do it again. So here's the ending to another famous story. You might be able to guess which one it is. The professor said, it'll happen when you're not looking for it. And don't talk too much about it even among yourselves. And don't mention it to anyone else unless you find they've had the same sort of adventures themselves. How will you know? Oh, you'll know all right. Odd things they say, even their looks will let the secret out. Keep your eyes open. Bless me, what do they teach them at those schools? And that is the very end of the adventure of the wardrobe. But if the professor was right, it was only the beginning of the adventures in Narnia. Well, it's a great ending that just makes you want to pick up the next book, doesn't it? But of course, we can't actually step into Narnia. More's the pity. Only read about it. But Acts 28 leaves us and says to us, this is the very end of Paul's adventure, And of his journey to Rome. But if Luke is right, it was only the beginning of the adventures of the Holy Spirit. And we are invited to step into this journey, into this story, and join the cast. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you because you have written the greatest story ever told full of adventure, full of jeopardy, full of excitement, full of the people that you have made and called. We praise you because it's a story that is true and you are right at the center of it, bringing hope and comfort to those who are hurting, bringing rescue and salvation right to the ends of the earth. We thank you that you have continued that story in these past 2,000 years, through your people in all kinds of different ways. And we thank you especially today for those who are witnesses to us, our parents, our youth leaders, our friends. And we pray that you would give us confidence and boldness to step forward and accept your invitation to write the next part of that story in the power of your spirit. For we ask it in your name. Amen.